Ghostly listeners. You've got Jake here, and I'm joined by my co-ghostess with the mostest, June Nixon. And hello from me, too. It is, How are you doing, Jake? I am sleepy. Are you sleepy? <laughs> yeah. I'm so, so <laughs> folks, if, if you don't know, we record first thing on Saturday mornings, and here in the Pacific Northwest, we're both up here, you know, we have very long, dark cold nights yes and the sun doesn't rise until 8 30 or so right it's still a little dark now so yep. yes yep mm-hmm. and i have my coffee and um you know i got up like an hour or so ago and i'm just like today's like i just want to stay in the bed with the dogs <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds nice Ooh. that sounds nice i'm not sure if there's supposed to snow today or not i don't think so Okay, we have so. a day without snow. Yeah, so if you guys didn't know, we recently had, I don't know, maybe, depending on where you are in Puget Sound, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm on the south end, we didn't have any snow, maybe a dusting. But right. folks right. on the north end of Seattle got like six inches or so. I think so, yeah. at least. Um, so that's the one thing with the Puget Sound area. It's like you never know what you're going to get. Some places are just fine and others get walloped. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just like 10, 15 miles away from each other. And like one you know, area is just completely saturated with mm-hmm. snow. And the other one is just like, what are you talking about? It's not snowing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, it's very weird. We call Little it pockets like, everywhere. Yeah, we call it like convergence or something. It's everything comes off the Pacific coast. But we have this super big mountain range um, on the west side of the just west of the city, which can block things. But then all of a sudden, you know, the currents come around, air currents and stuff come around the mountains, and you never know what town is going to get smacked by it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hard to predict. Truth. But getting on to today's subject. Yes. Let's talk about what it takes to be an amazing paranormal investigator. Hmm. So Even you, better than just a regular paranormal. I know. Uh-huh. I mean, this is probably the most visible role in any ghost hunting team. If you watch the ghosty shows, you know, everyone's a paranormal <laughs> yep. That's true. Um, so, June, what, what does an investigator do? Well, I think the basic definition would be an investigator investigates the possibility of paranormal activity. You know, and I mean, do you think that's like the basic, basic? Yeah, I mean, I, I view it as the folks that go out to collect evidence of a potential yes. haunting and also know techniques to stimulate a response from said spirit, ghost, right. demon from hell. And, you know, they should be pretty open-minded for the possibility of paranormal activity, too, and Mm -hmm. level-headed. I think that's really important. And have some critical thinking skills. Um, That's pretty important, too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and also immediately looks for probably what could be causing what's happening and documenting everything. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that we don't get is the like the critical analysis of what's going on usually Mm -hmm. you show up you talk into a dark room you know it's just pretty much what you see is evidence collection and not so so i think what's different in reality versus say the ghost shows 
is the ghost shows immediately start to do a playback, which if you're a, you know, a regular, you know, real life ghost hunting group, that's going to happen after the fact. Right, right. Um, but, you, you know, know, I I think maybe if you're getting a lot of things happening, maybe, you know, but um, if you do want to play back, you know, your recorder a little bit and listen to see if you've got any responses, always have another recorder going, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned that the hard way. Yeah. I That's the one thing I've done more and more is have a lot more backup equipment. However, mm-hmm. you know, it depends on where you're investigating. Sometimes it's a pain in the ass to bring the the extra yeah. stuff to the haunt and this year 2020 if i was going to have a ghost hunting resolution it would be minimize how much equipment i, I agree I bring. yeah i so agree when you're like having cases and cases bringing uh-huh. in you're like and you use two things out of you know one case because you're mm-hmm. like oh, okay but, or you're just yeah, trying to I'm, use I'm... everything i'm like just i mean yep. you should try to see if you're getting anything first right. I think that's good. Yeah, because it depends on where you stay. Sometimes you can go back. Sometimes you can't. I always make the assumption it's a one-time deal. Mm -hmm. Just in case, yeah. Yeah, so I usually bring more than I need to. Um, With experience, you'll get the hang of it, though. Um, Mm -hmm. But let's step back because we're kind of getting into the details. Getting off the topic. Well, no, we're we're still – don't get me wrong. We're totally on topic. topic, It's just (laughs) maybe our – I, we might have jumped ahead a little bit more. Yes. So I'm going to leave this in. Don't worry, people. I'm not editing this out because this is our thought process. Yes, our thought um, process. But the one thing is with an investigation, you know, we already talked about the case manager who goes out and, you know, questions the client, does some background research, kind of puts together a dos- dossier for the hunt. Uh, one of the big things is the walkthrough. And under if you want to learn more about a walkthrough and what the case manager is doing. Cause really the walkthrough is really the realm of the case manager doing it and setting up mm-hmm. the case. But what does an investigator do during the walkthrough? Well, um, uh, basically they're the ones who kind of go with the case manager or the lead investigator. Um, in our case, they're one and the same <laughs> a lot of times. We'll talk about, times. we'll yes. talk about this in a little bit too. <laughs> yes, yes. But um, the uh, investigator goes on a walkthrough just to take kind of the basic the EMF readings, temperature readings, um, carbon monoxide readings, maybe ion readings just around the house to kind of get a basic feel for the house. And, um, they map out the home or business and mark where, you know, or after, you know, going on a little kind of tour, they'll they'll do a map. And so later we can kind of mark down kind of where a lot of the paranormal act, paranormal activity is happening for the investigation. Um, but uh, they kind of do a lot of the grunt work, I guess, mm-hmm. basically for, um, for a walkthrough. Yeah. And it's still very much set on evidence collection. It's just that, yes. you know, this is what is the ambient environment for the house? Because you exactly. might you might find, yeah. we, we find this actually quite often, even in, if we go over to a newer house and stuff, high EMF readings is poor grounding or shielding for mm-hmm. electronics and appliances. And that um, way too, we may feel that they really don't need an investigation yeah. uh, for, you know, the, the team to come out to do an investigation because we may walk into their bedroom and find out that they have extremely high electromagnetic field readings in this bedroom. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're feeling paranoid. That's why they're, you're, you know, seeing things. 
um, being edgy and yeah. getting headaches. And um, I was yeah. going to say, I think the other thing that is really important, and I don't know if a lot of teams do this, we've been to a few places and they've had really high carbon monoxide readings. Ooh, yeah. And or carbon dioxide readings, you know, all the carbon stuff that's bad for yes. you mm -hmm. and can affect the brain. Yeah. And not good. Not you good. know, it, you need to bring that up because that's a health issue right away. Yeah. <laughs> that's something you don't think, oh, we'll, we'll, take, we'll keep that for the reveal. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> no. how did this family die so comfortably on the couch? It's, well, yes. did you tell them that they were sniffing, you know, a car muffler? Did you? Yes. You know? Um, and they're having hallucinations. Mm -hmm. things like that they're getting sick because they think it's the paranormal activity yeah. no honey you know you're you're dying yeah you're you're you inhaling poisons here so i think that that's just one of the important things that if you get mm -hmm. if yeah. you have the gear the gear's not that expensive i mean you can bring any meter if you want i mean just go to ace hardware home depot they've got that stuff you can get it for like 15 bucks exactly. um, that's one thing i've added to the arsenal now um, it's mm -hmm. not something you find above ground, but if you find yourself in basements and stuff, I find that's, or a first floor, you know, that's partially underground. Right. That's usually where I see it, not, you know, your standard ranch above ground type location, but something to check out. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing probably to look into, and I don't really know how you would test for this is when you're going around, look for the molds in the building. Yeah. Guess what we have now? What? Our new our new equipment. Tell me. Tell we me. have an air it reads the air and also kind of tells you if there's any um you know molds, black molds, <gasps> anything you should read in the air. So we what? do have that now for our group. What what, yes. what 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 is this gadget? You had to ask me what the gadget is, but <laughs> all I know <laughs> Is, is a gadget um, that we got and okay. we brought it up at the at the last meeting that or our first meeting that we had but unfortunately with the snow and everything yeah, else yeah. that was going on and people being out of town it's okay. like um, it was a very meeting but uh, but yes we brought that up and i was going to um uh send that to the group and ross left to go out of town before uh, you know, we, we got it posted. But okay, yes, is this your standard air, equipment. air quality uh, monitors? It okay. is an air quality monitor. Let me, I'll just go <laughs> over there. Uh, ooh, little handheld gadget with levels, uh, HCHO TV. Of course, I'll have to look what this stuff means because I have no idea uh, what it is, but this could be fun. Ooh, volatile organic compounds. Yes. And so this is one thing to that we um we are going to do is we're going to have like um a, a little kind of get together at spooked in seattle um and kind of go over the equipment that we have and teach people on how to use the equipment so yeah. that's very important so this mm -hmm. is one of the our new tools that we have that we are going to um that ross actually is going to show us all how to use yeah this is um amazing oh no i just did one click purchase um let's see <laughs> You know me and a gadget. Okay. <laughs> Whoops. Oopsie. How did that happen? I know. Well, I mean, I can use it at the house, right? I mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's it's probably a good gadget for everyone to have. <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. Oh. Um, so let's see. So that was during the walkthrough. So we get the baseline readings and we determine if there's something natural that could be causing people right. to think they have a ghost. Now... When it comes to deciding to take or reject a case, 
We talked about this a little bit with the case manager um, duties, though. You know, this is kind of a, a, a gray area, and this is more so with the lead investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, before we get into this, let's let's just talk about the lead investigator. What is the big difference between the lead investigator and you know investigator on the case? Well, um, the lead investigator usually gets all the details of the case. Um, nobody else, everyone, all the other investigators go in cold. They don't know anything about the house. They don't know anything about the, the region. They don't know where the, I mean, they didn't even know the address, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so what usually happens is we meet at a place that is close to the house or business um, or area. And then we all try to go over together because, you know, also, too, you need to, you know, kind of scope out the parking situation and everything like this. But, um so the investigators don't have a clue of where they're going or what they're doing. The lead investigator is fed all of that information up front. This is why it kills me when I find out that some people who are the psychics on the group all of a sudden are also the lead investigators. That yeah. can't happen. Yeah. But anyway, the lead investigator, um, they have all the knowledge, everything else when they go. So they know what's happening at the house. So, and um, they're the ones that ask all the questions and everything, okay. too. So it's really the lead investigator is kind of the CEO of the group. Yeah. In, I, in, yeah. in a sense. Yeah. In a sense, yes. <laughs> and, I'm, and we agree here. I don't think the regular investigators should know too much about the destination. Right, uh, exactly. Now, it's kind of hard if – because when you schedule it, everyone knows if it's a public space. I mean, you got the internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what can you do, right? But if it's a private residence, they, they really shouldn't know much about it before they go in. Right. But then – so with the lead investigator, really it, just giving advice for, say, newbie lead investigators or maybe your solo investigator. There's just a couple of you. What are some of the key things to determine if you will actually do the investigation or not do the investigation? Well, I mean, are the things that are happening a natural occurrence? I mean, really not natural, but do they have like a a really high EMF reading throughout the house? And, you know, if you tell them, you know, you've got to fix that, you know, you've got to get that fixed because, you know, it's for one thing, it's extremely unhealthy, you know, this could really, you know, hurt you in the long run. Um, But um, you just kind of, you know, feel, or if you kind of think that they may be a little off the rocker um, and maybe they need kind of outside help, um, you know, that's kind of a big thing too. Um, My biggest thing is that if you do go on the walkthrough to um, go someplace, don't stand in front of the house and discuss what you think. Mm -hmm. Um, Go someplace a little, you know, like maybe at a restaurant or go have coffee or something like that. The bar. Discuss it. Yeah. Yeah. Or the bar. (laughs) Sometimes you may need it after some walkthroughs, but, uh, and discuss it with the other investigators um, and see what we all think. And if we're all in, you know, if we're all unanimous um, and, you know, thinking, well, you know, this place might not be good um, for an investigation. And especially to, you know, you look around, it's an unsafe environment. Um, You know, like, no, I don't think we're going to be doing this either. Mm -hmm. So, I now, think that, you know, go ahead. 
Oh, I was just saying, I think that that, you know, those kind of in a nutshell, I mean, there's so many different factors you could factor in, Um, you know, even feeling that gut feeling, if all of a sudden you go in there and like, oh, I don't think I want to do an investigation in this place, or, you know, having the secret code word of, you know, I think it's time that we leave as soon as you walk in. Batteries. You know, the, like, yeah. Oh, I, I got batteries. batteries. Yeah. Yep. Safe word. Exactly batteries exactly your safe word (laughs) (laughs) always have a safe word (laughs) yeah i mean common sense here people some places you go to i mean sometimes you investigate old abandoned places but if it looks like it's rotted you don't go in you know yeah not not a not a safe thing and usually Mm -hmm. if it's not a well-kept place as well you wouldn't want to investigate because most likely it's going to end up being natural cause yeah rats (laughs) (laughs) if they are a hoarder you know it's like you kind of go in at first and go okay you know you have newspapers piled up to the ceiling and Mm -hmm. and uh yes we have been to places like that and um you know it's just like common sense people common sense Um, so let's talk about what does the lead investigator, um, let's separate this. Let's do this. What is the lead investigator doing during the actual investigation? Um, well, with the investigation, um, I mean, they are basically investigating also, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) basically, um, but I think the lead investigator basically coordinates the investigation, um, you know, maybe putting people into teams, you know, what rooms they'll start off on, um, which rooms to focus on, because, you know, they know most of the information. So they should, you know, let the team, if it's in the upper bedroom, you know, um, you know, let's make sure we have audio, what equipment to you, what what kind of equipment should be used in the rooms with the most activity, um, you know, and how long the team should stay in each area, things like that. Because, um, you know, you're in the upper bedroom, and that's where the ghost of the you know former owner comes out to say hello Mm -hmm. you know you're going to want you know your video cameras you're going to want all sorts of equipment but Mm -hmm. you also want to make sure you don't neglect the rest of the house because um you never know it's like you know that could be where a lot of the activity is happening but you know also there could be you know a little girl running around Mm -hmm. the basement or something you know just you just got to try to to get as much area as mm-hmm. you can of, of the house or business. Yeah, so my experience is you go to the haunted hotspots, right? Or you have folks concentrate on it, but you do need a roving team right. or investigator. And that's because, especially if it's intelligent haunting, mm-hmm. the ghost could be like, who are these strangers up in my room? I'm going to go hang out in the basement. Exactly. And I think that's what happens like in a place like the Walker Ames house. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, that uh, people are walking around the house investigating. And I think sometimes they actually do kind of hide in places where mm-hmm. they're like, I'm just going to keep my energy right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I, with the Walker Ames specifically, it, you know, it, if you know, have details about the haunting and who it could possibly be. The Walker Ames, it was a little girl in the attic. And we, when Bob and I went upstairs, we were like, hey, let's play. Instead of, what's your name? How old are you? What exactly. Do you and we're just like, let's play dominoes. You want to play with the teddy bear? Yes. <laughs> and we you got know, stuff, you know? <laughs> that makes that makes such a good investigator. Because you just, you know, if you go up there with the same old questions, especially mm-hmm. in a place like the Walker Ames, when hundreds and hundreds of people investigate that place. Mm-hmm. They want something new and fun. They want, you know, they want to, you know, 
you can ask, you know, can you tell us what your, what your life was like? Did you have any children? You know, what color are your eyes? You Mm -hmm. know, what, what, you know, what outfit are you wearing today? Mm Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about your outfit? Is it new? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I haven't you changed know. in the 128 years I've been dead, you stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you get some sort of, you know. But, uh, you know, one thing too, though, one thing our group never does is provoke. We don't True. say, you know, are you wearing the same trashy outfit, bitch? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> we don't do things like that. <laughs> yes, to a suspected eight-year-old spirit. Um. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so moving along, uh, okay. So that was like with the lead investigator, but essentially any of the other investigators probably assigned to a haunted hotspot or a location, um, to, to do the evidence collection. And, right. and that's pretty much it. And then, you know, uh, doing as directed, I, I hate to say, you know, marching like a good soldier, but you know, if, if you're a regular investigator and you're getting something, it, it's perfectly fine to say, you, you know, yo, dude, we're getting a lot of EVPs yeah. where the REM pod keeps firing. We're going to stay here for a little bit. Yeah, That's perfectly exactly. fine. Exactly. I mean, you, you got to, you know, not be too, you know, sensitive if somebody says, shh, you know, mm-hmm. don't don't talk right now. Shh. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's some people that get their feelings hurt a little bit when you shush them. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're hearing like a little girl say, hi, my name is Sarah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't want to all of a sudden, okay, let's leave. Mm-hmm. My time's up in the room, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's like, if, if something's happening, you're getting stuff there. You're like, okay, everybody needs to stay where you're at for a while and mm-hmm. don't move and don't make any noise because we're getting some, you know, crazy stuff happening now. And we need, you know, we need to stay here. Mm-hmm. So that's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> true. Totally true. <laughs> that's awesome. Now you've got all this great evidence. Who actually reviews the evidence and well, who selects what may be presented well i think everyone should review their own collected data um their own evidence um i mean it's nice if you can have somebody help you if you're really busy <clears throat> just because you need to get that out um you need to you know you need to get it done mm-hmm. um but um you know, you were there, you were doing the investigation. You should be going through your collected data because you know who's in the room with you. You, you know, you kind of remember when, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, you should be tagging everything anyway. If you Mm -hmm. hear a dog bark or another voice or something like that, or say, you know, oh, that was Jake, this saying hi, you know, when he, you know, walked through or something. Um, But um, I think- Or sending up the dumb waiter as I'm prone to do. (laughs) (laughs) You know. (laughs) (laughs) It was interesting to see that. That still worked. But- (laughs) Um, So- I think, I mean, basically that's what I think, but I think, you know, that um, first and foremost, you know, people should be reviewing their own collected data. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little torn on this one. Okay. Um, so it's important because you were there and you have the context. Right. I like, and the other thing is I always schedule time the next day to review my evidence. Yes, you are so good at that. Um, because I, everyone to shame. I don't want to forget anything. Yes. And That's so if, yeah, you know, we've had investigations where no one's read, look, listened to their stuff until like a month later. 
Yeah. And I'm like, I'm old and forgetful. I can't do that. I have to do it right away. For the other thing is I like to get the reports out right away, like especially for private residences and stuff. They invited you in your home. They want an answer, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I, to be honest, I prefer to have a separate person, a different person, review the evidence because they're objective. That's true, too. And, that is. And I mean, you Kinda can get you out review. of the area. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could still do a peer review where you put your stuff up. It's just what you're going to do is with EVP, you're going to cut out the section where you got the EVP. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to get the full context. This this is why Evidence Analyst, which will be a later episode, I kind of like to have specialists for audio or for video and pictures just for that neutral, objective, third party looking well, at I, it. I think that that, you know, I, I, I do. I think that that would be important, um, you know, when you can find those people. That's really nice, too. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> I think, you know, I think that is really good. And that is one thing that I try to do is make sure I note where I took the clip that I, you know, think mm-hmm. might be something out um, and make sure, you know, I kind of write the time on the, you know, when you go through the whole um when you go through the whole file, you want to make sure you you write down the time where you took this clip out, mm-hmm. um, just so you know, so you can go back and do it. But a lot of times, I what I usually do is when I go through and try to listen to my audio, is I take clips that I suspect might be something, and try to you know make it sure they're long clips. And I then go through it a little bit and enhance the the audio so I can hear it better and things like that. And um, but, you know, usually I try to go through it all first and then I go back to those clips. (coughs) Is that really something? Bless you. Thank you. Is that really something, um, you know, that that I should focus on and, um, Mm -hmm. you know. And especially too, when you're, when you do this a lot and your ear is kind of trained, mm-hmm. um, to know what you're listening for, uh, it gets a little easier too, but, uh, that's kind of what I usually do is I just clip out the things that I think, then I go back and listen to it, kind of enhance it mm-hmm. so I can hear it better and see if it's anything. And, um, then I send it off to the rest of the people that were on the team and say, what do you guys think of this? Mm-hmm. You think this is anything or holy crap, guys, listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You are not going to believe this. Yes. Yeah. When but I... I think that is a good idea. If you can find somebody else to listen to, you know, everything and see if they might get something different, mm-hmm. um, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. And um, when I go through, uh, I usually don't all, this is for the peer review part of it. And just just take Ross's recent investigation at the underground. And I did video primarily. I did I did have audio as part of it. Um, but with the video, I write down the timestamps. I don't cut anything. Mm-hmm. I don't cut anything okay. um, until it gets to presenting, and I put the timestamps on it so someone can watch either the video or do the and audio. and say listen to listen at this time frame yeah. and see mm-hmm. what so you they can, yeah. So yeah, so you can jump ahead. Now with video, it's easier, especially <laughs> if you have engagement objects. You know, I have an Eddie footstep tracker, REM pod, you know, they flare, that's easy to see and mark and you watch the video and you get the audio right before it. But if it's just an audio only, uh, I think when you mark it, you have to go back 10 seconds and then 10 right. seconds after to give the full Definitely. context of it. And still, I would prefer to have evidence analysts 
do it a third party, no trade-off, simply because I think that would give whatever you find more credibility. And That's also, when it comes to EVPs, I've got bad ears. I know what to listen for. Mm-hmm. And I have had plenty of times where it's clear as bell to me and another person that's trained in EVP, right? Mm-hmm. You hear it. And then the public are, are like, well, I heard a whisper, but I'm not sure. And But to you, it's clear as, you know, clear mm-hmm. as a bell. Um, and this is why I like to have the, the third party review it because it, they'll determine if it's strong enough to publish. Usually... When I publish it, it, it's like the premier EVP <laughs> that mm-hmm. goes up on my site. No, there's no wiggle room for it. You know, I hear something. That's no. true. And when I, when I put it up, you can hear the word. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just talk about presenting this evidence now. Who sits down with the client and does the reveal? Well, it's usually the lead investigator um, will kind of go back with the client and say, okay, this is what we have. Um, I have even actually gotten people that, you know, I say, well, this is the um, evidence that we've collected and, um, you know, the report that we have. And they're like, no, I don't want to see it. What? (laughs) Yeah, that's happened a couple of times, actually. Really? (laughs) Yeah, people are like, you know, I've changed my mind. I don't want to know. I don't want to see it, you know. And uh, so, yeah, it's kind of funny when that happens. But (laughs) usually it's the lead investigator and, you know, take either someone else from the team or somebody else to go. Yeah, yeah, it might be be that kind of evidence um, specialist that comes in and and does it as well. Um, Usually the case manager is there, too. Yeah, it's kind of nice to, um, you know, to make sure you have somebody that was actually there at the investigation um, because, you know, they know what was going on and they know what, you know, what happened and they are familiar with the client. So it's always kind of nice to to have the lead investigator. Mm -hmm. Now, we see this a lot on the ghosty shows. Um, A lot of the ghosty shows just assume every place they go in is super haunted. That's not the case in reality. So who determines or makes the determination if the location really is haunted? Well, I mean, in our case, I mean, in, in the, a lot of the cases that I've done, I think it's important that the whole team that was there kind of, you know, talks it over too. Mm -hmm. I mean, the lead investigator is the one that will basically present the findings to the client, but, um, you know, I, I I think it's more of a democracy and not a, you know, a dictatorship mm-hmm. where if, if everybody else on the team says, oh, my God, the amazing things that I got, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, if everybody kind of agrees that, uh, yeah, that was, you know, kind of amazing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of nice, you know, but, you know, if you got a couple other people on the team that... I, I, you know, that's really, sometimes it's a hard call because yep. if you know that their, their corduroy vest that they were wearing or something, um, was making, you know, EVPs <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, shoot, no, shoot, shoot, shoot. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, so, or the mosquitoes out there yeah. are going, June, June. yeah, sorry. Um, um, it happens. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that's the tough thing with the call yeah. because a lot of times you're going to get a one and done and I don't think you can make a determination after off a one and done you you need to do this multiple times 
Um, yeah. You have to go back to the same spot, which is hard to do with private residences. Oh, definitely. It's easier to do with public spaces. But, you know, usually the team that, you know, I, I have never really had a lot of kickback if the team's like, no, um, I don't think this needs an investigation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, you, usually everybody's pretty much in agreement. Um, or if, you know, somebody says, you know, that place has a lot of stuff going on. And mm-hmm. usually everybody kind of agrees, you know, together that. So, you know, you, you know, on the unusual, you know, a lot of times you may not have gotten anything on the walkthrough, but maybe uh, an investigation might be, you know, we'll, tr- we'll try on an investigation and see what happens. Yeah. And one yeah. of the things that we covered this a little bit under the case manager podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, listeners, please go back and download it. It's a good compliment to this one. A lot of times you get stuff during the walkthrough, but not the investigation. Right. <laughs> and that's because right. the spirits were active. Usually the walkthrough happens during the day because uh, spirits were active, dur- you know, when they were alive, they were active during the day. Ghosts mm-hmm. just don't decide. I'm going to be Come active. At at- yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's usually there. It's always going on. I'm not sure if ghosts can tell the difference between daytime and nighttime you know because no one's been dead and giving us feedback on that uh. right i know they gotta step up their game yeah so <laughs> i mean i would say you know set set your investigation when the activity occurs because remember Definitely. most of the activity like historic cases best ghostly evidence most of it has happened during the day Mm-hmm. There are putting, yeah, quite a few cases. Yeah, quite a few that happened during yeah, the day. Yeah, if somebody says, oh, you know, yeah, most of the time, it seems like it happens like at 10 o'clock every day, you know, all of a sudden you see the shadow figure, you know, going through the living room. I was like, okay, we'll see you tonight and investigation, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So you got to go when the, when the activity has happened. And that's what all the questions are for. When you ask all those questions, it's like, when does the activity mostly happen, mm-hmm. um, you know? And if they say, you know, usually it starts up about three or four in the morning, it's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of people say, you know, it, you know, it's when they notice it, you know, a lot of times, like I said, um, you know, ghosts, it's, it's 24 seven with, you know, spirits, they can come out anytime. It doesn't just have to be at night. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, a lot of times that's when they notice the activity because their day is finally calming down. Things are getting quiet. Um, You know, there may have been a ghost tap dancing next to them all day, but since they were so busy, had the stereo Mm -hmm. up, the TV going, you know, everything else, they didn't hear the tap dancing and now when the you know noise is all down the lights are off everything is quiet then all of a sudden they'll hear you know it's like what the hell is that you know so and also you know during the day most people are at work so exactly they wouldn't know what's happening during the day (laughs) major ghost you know you know get together party Mm -hmm. and everything else at your house it could be terrorizing your kitty Yes, yes. I actually did have one case where it was something was going after the cat and it only happened during the day. Um, Wow. Yeah. Okay. So in that regard, I mean, we talked about who presents the final report and and the reveal. It's mainly lead investigator, case manager, maybe another one. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, sometimes cases get out to the public and that brings the media, especially in October. Right. So who deals with the reporters, the radio stations, and other media? 
Well, um, usually in our case, since, you know, I don't usually like to be on, you know, the news, <laughs> things like that. If Ross Allison is available, I usually kind of ask him if he wouldn't mind, you know, going for the, you know, since it, you know, it is his group, you know, I think a lot of times he should be the face, but you know, a lot of times he's gone in October too. So that mm -hmm. kind of leaves the rest of the group, um, usually to the vice president and, you know, anyone else that's, that's available mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of times, yeah, but wh whoever usually, can talk, yeah. usually it goes to Ross to be kind of the face of a ghost. Mm -hmm. I say the face of a ghost. Yeah. So, yeah, usually it's the lead investigator, but always have a backup plan because you don't know what yeah, they're doing. Yeah. Exactly, and, exactly. And, and, you know, you don't always have to appear on camera. I mean. No, you, that's true. You, I, you know, but, but if this is just for a, I mean, a specific case, you know, a lot of times, you know, the media gets kind of a hold of, of you. They'll, they'll want to, you know, a lot more, know a lot more of different cases. Mm -hmm. uh, then I usually give that to Ross. But if this is like a specific case with a lot of media surrounding it, um, you know, uh, it's nice to have Ross to be, you know, kind of the, the face of a ghost. But then it goes to, like you said, the lead investigator who was actually there. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times Ross is there, you know, for, for things to for, as the lead investigator. But um, uh, for the most part, yes, it would be somebody's there and knows what's going on, um, you know, like at the American Cancer Society building. Yep. Um, you know, we had a lot of media coverage for that um, and everything. And yep. I just happened to be lead investigator for that so i had mm -hmm. to go in the news <laughs> yep and now as we are wrapping things up let's just do a quick little take on what do you think the um primary duties and tasks for a paranormal investigator entails and i can go first because i mean I wrote okay it up you go yes you go right <laughs> ahead yes you go ahead and then i can go Okay, so I got a I've got a link to this. I'll I'll drop in the show notes for you folks. But this is what I've got. Like things uh, an investigator should just know how to do, and that deals with use and troubleshoot the equipment. Because mm -hmm. it, it's more than batteries go dead. Sometimes you have to know how to reset <clears throat> your REM pod, yes. your millimeter, stuff like that. You have to know how to troubleshoot it because your tech yes. manager, you may not have one, or your tech manager is an, another investigator, and they can't just run over to you. But right. never bother them for batteries, people. Never bother yes, them for batteries. Yes, that is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, accurate evidence collection. And that means know how not only know how to use your equipment, but... You know, know what is best to get data and evidence for that piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. So know how to when know how to use the REM pod. When do you use the REM pod? If you're setting up experiments, when do you use a laser grid? When don't you? I mean, the tools are a complement to your knowledge. Yes. Basic research skills. So it, the lead investigator is going to know things up front and the case manager is going to know stuff. But if you're an investigator, you should know how to, after the fact or something, you know, you should know how to do a search. You should know newspapers.com, other ar mm -hmm. archival services, just to fill in, you know, as you're reviewing your evidence and you get a voice, a name, you see something, you, you need to go back and be able to tell what that was or if there was someone on site that you could identify as the ghost right um know your different collection methods so it's you know this goes along with 
collecting the evidence and the equipment, but you should know how to run an EVP session and mm. how to phrase the questions. You should know the ins and outs of your EMF meter. This is part of the experiments as well. Not only how to read everything, but what are ideal settings based on what you've received from the case manager or lead investigator. Um, you know, how to use a digital thermometer, Ouija board, stuff like that. If that's your thing, if you're going to go the metaphysical mm -hmm. route, um, you know, know, know the different, how to run the different experiments is really what I'm getting at. And then know how, oh, that's Wally. Um, <laughs> and then know your, how to interview the witnesses, how to ask the right questions, questions that aren't leading questions, how to phrase mm -hmm. open-ended questions as well. That's my thing. That's and, true. And is there anything you'd like to add to that? Well, I'm just saying, you know, I think what makes a good ghost hunter is passion, um, devotion and patience. Yes. You know? Those are the big things, especially in honesty, education, mm -hmm. and open mind. Mm -hmm. And make sure you also have a fair share of skepticism. Yes. I think that's very important, too. Yeah, I've got for my qualities of a paranormal investigator as I rattle off my list. Oh, yes, please. I've got ravenous curiosity about the unknown. Mm -hmm. Because your job is to figure out why and how this stuff happens. Uh, a willingness to learn about strange topics because it's going to be weird and you'll be exposed to weird things. <laughs> exactly. Perseverance <laughs> in the face of a skeptical world. Um, mm -hmm. And that's because everyone's going to doubt you. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, I mean, truthfully, though, if somebody was not there and you got this little girl, you know, um, talking in a bar, a lot of people are going to, you know, yeah, a lot of people are going to question your credibility, you know, yeah. because they weren't there, you know, or they don't know you. Yeah. They don't know what an honest person you are. Yeah. And, you and, know. and the other thing is, especially in the world of Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, <laughs> YouTube, mm -hmm. you're going to put a 15 second snippet up or a five minute video or something. I'm like, it's not going to have the full context. Everyone's going to be like, you staged no. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. I've also got ability to control your emotions, namely fear. <laughs> oh yeah big time uh and also you know things can get a little heated when you're on the investigation when stuff's going down um it, you know so you have to be professional so if someone's annoying you for some odd reason you know button <laughs> yeah it don't up. yell at them yeah <laughs> commitment to truth and accuracy um and so generally I, I i find especially when it comes to the documentation and this actually helps with a lot of the collection methods, too. But if you can, I would say check out journalism, especially investigative journalism. And I know journalism's getting a bad rep nowadays, but go check it out. They've got some really great basics for sleuthing. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, if you, this might be more interesting, pick up a book on forensic uh, science, you know, like the Dexters of the world, CSI. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that can give you a nice foundation for investigations and stuff like that and how to ter determine truth and accuracy. And just this is the kind of field, just like actually a lot of police cases, court cases and stuff for crimes. It's a lot of circumstantial evidence. And right. with enough circumstantial evidence, it'll point you to the truth. That's good. I like that. Comfort with boredom because hunts are long and not much happens. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I just 
cracks me up when uh, new, especially newbies, they they get there and they're like, God, this is boring. It's like, <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> this is real ghost hunting. Yeah, this is real ghost hunting. It's not immediate. We call that fast food ghost hunting. I'll put mm-hmm. a link to that in the, <laughs> mm-hmm. in the exactly. show notes too. Um, I've got objectiveness over feeling something's true. And that is because the world only cares about what you can prove on tape, pictures, and video. However, use your instincts on a ghost hunt to lead you to activity. Nice. So uh, I always like take a step back. Just because you're feeling oogie, it could be adrenaline, people. Mm -hmm. It could be, yeah. Um, So it's always nice to have the gadgets to kind of be the objective. Like, is there something really here or not? Or am I just imagining it? It's a good... The gadgets are are kind of a good reality check. Right. Adaptability, because conditions change rapidly on a hunt and you have to roll with it. Right, exactly. Very easygoing, yes. Mm -hmm. And then check your ego, because really, the world doesn't care about you. It cares about your evidence. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So true. (laughs) So that's, that's my list of you know, ideal paranormal investigator qualities, attributes. The, the one thing we didn't talk about here is the training of a paranormal investigator. Because, you know, I don't think about us really in a ghost as having um, like an apprenticeship or a trainee Well, when um, usually kind of when somebody starts off, they'll usually go with um, someone like the lead investigator to a walkthrough first. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how we get their feet wet, you know, and dip their little toes in it. Um, And just to kind of, you know, get comfortable going into, you know, someone's home or business and uh, doing the walkthrough first. And then um, when they are going on investigation, they should always be paired with somebody that's experienced and follow them around on an investigation um you know i mean hopefully they don't need a lot of training but they do need training on how to use the equipment Mm -hmm. so hopefully the person that they're paired up with knows how to use the equipment and will show them how to use the equipment and say here take this emf take this melmeter um with the rem pod and this is how you use it this is how you turn on the rem pod this is how you turn off the rem pod you know things like that um yeah, and usually, so that's kind of how. Yeah, it usually falls on the tech manager. And that's a later, I think that's actually going to yes. be the next roles in a ghost hunting team okay. podcast we do is the tech manager. That This is kind of my wheelhouse. Awesome. And it is usually on the tech, if you got one, um, how to yep. use the gear. Yes. Uh, correctly. Um, but then how much experience do you think someone needs before they can be called a lead investigator? Well, you know, that is really hard. You know, I mean, there are some people that can be in the group two to three years, but they've only gone on a handful of investigations. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things like there might be somebody that's been, you know, on the team for a year and Mm -hmm. has excelled extremely with their, you know, critical thinking skills Mm -hmm. and their evidence review and, you know, everything else. And it's like, hey, you know, um, you know, I personally i would give it at least a couple of years Mm -hmm. um to be a lead investigator Uh, but like i said i just don't think years are um are the key here i Mm -hmm. think it's the experience they have and how many investigations they've gone on and uh you know how they rise up to the challenge yeah yeah there's a lot of people that can surprise you and it's just like wow you know that's awesome and you know yeah, yeah, some some people doesn't take much. It's just I you just need to get a lot of experience. 
Yes, with a lot of different is the key. Yes. Yeah, a lot of different situations from abandoned buildings to private mm-hmm. residences to museums to And how you handle the situation. You know, mm-hmm. if you're a nervous, you know, a little nervous person and you scream after every little, you know, you know, pop and groan of the house, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, you know, you might not uh be ready. Cut, yeah, you ain't ready for this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with being, say, I, I call it armchair investigators, where it's mm-hmm. almost like archival paranormal research or being a paranormal historian kind of thing. Uh, and that's fine. Um, right. Because, you know, you can be an archivist and not go on the ghost hunts. But you can definitely listen to the evidence, mm-hmm. go to newspapers.com, you know, <laughs> the, right. the local historical societies and, and be that researcher. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you don't have to have, you know, worry about getting a dark demonic attachment that eats your soul slowly <laughs> over a period of years. Oh, come on. What? What's I the know. fun in that? I know, I know, I know. It makes great TV. It does. <laughs> so with that brings us to uh, the end of our little show. Um, June, if someone is interested in joining a ghost and learning how to become a paranormal investigator, what should they do? Well, I think first they should check out our website of a ghost.org. And um, go on the website and kind of look at a lot of our past cases and a lot of things that have happened. And there is also a contact uh, form in there. So if you would like to contact me, just go ahead and fill that out and send it to us. And we do have new member orientation um, once every two months through the year. And we're actually going to have one on Sunday at Merchant's Cafe at 3.30 p.m. And that would be January 19th. January 19th. Correct. Yes, thank you for clarifying because this can be listened to at some other time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're going then, so our next one should be in March, mm-hmm. you know. So. But if you watch the website, actually the homepage of the website, <laughs> yes. it'll have it'll have the next new member um, orientation. Exactly. Exactly. I will put that up. Okay. And with that, we come to the end of our show, gentle listener. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for reading Ghostly. Thank you for your interest in a ghost. Yes, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.